Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisted. I'm really glad you're here. For those of you who are exploring Neville or are in groups that talk about Neville's teaching, I know you've heard quite often probably his directive to prune the vine. I'm going to read a quote from the lecture, The Pruning Shears of Revision. It's a wonderful talk of Neville's about how we can completely change our lives through the daily practice of revision, the daily practice of imagining. We revise all the time when we imagine something differently, whether it's something that happened in our so-called past or something that we're experiencing in the present moment. When we change what we are imagining, we're revising. Now, every man in the world is rooted in you who look out and see the world. Every man is rooted in me. He ends in me as I am rooted in and end in God. Because he is rooted in me, he cannot bear other than the nature the root allows. So he's in me, and any changes desired in the outer world can be brought about only if I change the source of the thing I see growing in my world. Neville uses the vine metaphor from the Bible when Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Everything in my world comes from my own imagination. I am always bearing the fruit of the state of consciousness in which I'm dwelling. Everyone and everything, even inanimate objects, even my dog Penny, reflect my state of consciousness. Like I've said before, when, when the scriptures were written, the writers used imagery that would be familiar with the people of the day. That's why you see so many agricultural references like the vine and branches reference and a lot of sexual references back then. What Neville is saying is that I cannot experience anything in my world that doesn't come from me. So when I see someone and judge them less than, I'm really judging myself because that seeming other is a branch from me, the vine. So if those around me are not living up to what they really want in life, it's up to me to change what I'm imagining about them because I could not see them as sinners or as sinning, missing the mark, unless I allow it in consciousness. I couldn't see them not becoming the person they want to be unless I'm allowing it in consciousness. And since the fruit that the branches bear indicates the condition of the vine and its roots, then the change must come from there, not the branches. It's got to come from within me. The fruit can only be what the root and vine are being. It's said in another way in Matthew 7, 1, Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and you will not be judged, for you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. And in the chapter, or the sixth chapter of Luke, it says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive 
and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you replace judge with imagine, that verse is telling us that however you imagine for others, you're imagining for yourself. Whatever I'm imagining, judging of another, I'm actually imagining for myself because those others are rooted in me, the vine, because I can only experience what I am conscious of being or allowing in consciousness. So if I'm allowing it for another, I'm allowing it within me. And if I'm allowing it for another, I'm allowing it for me. They will always be being a reflection of something within me. Now, the other part of that verse in Luke says, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Neville teaches that to forgive means to completely forget the former state, the state I'm leaving or the state of another. I move myself or another into the state of the wish fulfilled. Strong's Concordance defines forgive as letting go, releasing, sending away. So when I imagine an, for another, I imagine them into a lovelier state, I'm forgiving them. I'm releasing or letting go of the old state. I stop identifying them as that former state. I've sent that state away, not by casting it out or rebuking it in Jesus' name. I release the old image, the old state, by seeing them in the new state. And it's the same for forgiving myself. I completely let go, release the old state by embodying the new state. That verse says, as we forgive others, we are forgiven. So by lovingly imagining others into states, I'm forgiving them and I'm forgiving myself. I am forgiven. I am moved into lovelier states as I forgive others. When the Bible tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, it's not saying that as just some nice little polite thing to do. It's saying love them because they are you. It's up to me to imagine something better for those that I encounter, my family and friends, loved ones, and others that I encounter in my world. It's up to me to see them differently, see them in a lovelier state, to redeem them. They are in my garden. It's up to me to tend that garden. I can't put, put that responsibility on anyone else. There's a very short story in Matthew. Uh, a Roman centurion comes to Jesus and asks him to heal his servant. And the soldier tells Jesus, look, I'm not even worthy to have you in my house. So even though we're miles away from there, I know if you just speak the word that my servant will be healed. And Jesus praises the soldier's faith and he tells his disciples and the others around, hey, look at this guy. He's, he's got some faith. And Jesus says to the soldier, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. I love that verse. It sums it all up for me. As I believe, I will get. I will always get exactly what I'm believing. As I believe for others, 
I'm believing for myself and I will always get what I am believing as I believe. I cannot ever experience anything outside of the contents of my imagination. So when I hear news of someone who's sick or destitute, it's up to me to hear different news of them. If I just shrug and say, ah, oh, poor thing. Ooh, that's awful. Oof. Well, I'm judging it. I'm continuing to lock that person in that state. And if I allow them to remain in that state, then now I'm allowing myself the same. Whatever I allow for others, I'm allowing for myself. Neville says, one sure way to awaken our imagination is to daily revise, revise our own days, remembering them differently, imagining it the way we'd like it to be, and to do it until it feels real. And he says to revise for others, to prune our imagination, change the image we're holding of the seeming other. If there's something I want to be or experience in my life, instead of imagining myself having to overtake or beat out someone else, I imagine that someone else thriving, really excelling and successful. And I imagine them that way until I feel the thrill for them so happy to see their success. As I imagine others into states that I'd like to express, I bring myself along with it. As I judge others, I am judged. As I forgive others, I am forgiven. As I move others into lovelier states, I am moved into lovelier states. If I change the fruit of the branches, the vine and its roots must have changed too. So the Bible isn't giving us just tips on living a civil and polite life. It's saying whatever you're imagining for that other is what you're allowing for yourself. And the seeds we plant, lovely or unlovely, produce a harvest so big that our storehouses will be overflowing. So why continue to allow faulty seeds to be planted in your garden? in your imagination. While we're asleep to the truth of who we are, our gardens grow out of control. <laughs> Lots of shoots and suckers growing all over the place and weeds, but no real good quality fruit and plenty of weeds. Want to really awaken? Start tending your garden. Prune those vines. Imagine them differently. Imagine, revise your day, revise your image of others, prune what you're holding in imagination of others. No garden is without weeds and some wild vines. None of us have perfect gardens. The key is to realize it's up to each of us to get to work pruning through revision by imagining something different. When I hear something about someone, I just cannot let it go without revising it. No one comes to me unless the Father has called him, my imagination. I am bringing everyone I'm confronted with, everyone I encounter, I am bringing into my experience, into my life. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to imagine them, revise what I'm seeing and hearing of them into a lovelier state. 
I'm not bragging at all. My garden, my imagination is, <laughs> is far from perfect. It takes daily attention, whether we call it tending the garden or practicing the art of imagining or revising, practice, practicing the art of revision, buying the pearl. It's a daily intentional decision to live an imaginative life, to explore imagination, to move and move and move in imagination. And I know from experience that as I believe for others, I receive. When I first read and heard Neville talking about that, that as I imagine for other people, you know, I imagine for them what I want to experience. My initial reaction was that that's kind of selfish to imagine for others just so I can experience what I want to experience. <laughs> But I get it now because I can't imagine for them and not be imagining for myself because I am them and they are me, not Mike. They're not all Mike. They're all self. So there's no action on my part that is, can ever be completely selfless. <laughs> Everything is a selfish act because there's nothing but self. As I imagine for other people in my life, I am automatically imagining for myself. I used to be so caught up with Mike, Mike's problems and Mike's desires that I wouldn't give any time to imagining for others. I would see them and not even realize what I was doing, judging them, keeping them in their states and focusing on myself. And I would even think to myself, huh, they need to change what they're imagining and then go on about my little life without doing anything about it, without imagining for them. Neville's right. As you daily revise, prune the vine for others, you're doing it for yourself. When you realize who you are, the desperate need to push yourself on others, to defend your position or to prove your point, falls away. That desperation falls away. That need to one-up another person, to outdo them. When I hear something really great happen for another, I used to respond with jealousy, like, ah, dang it. How are they getting so much attention? But when I was responding to others with a little, with jealousy or some type of envy or like, look at them, how do they have it all together? <laughs> well, I was keeping myself right where I was. Now I'm truly excited for those that I used to be jealous of or those that I used to think were better than me. I'm excited for them because as they are, I am. I'm going to wrap this up with a little story that I got just yesterday from Ivy. She says, my friend got a 69.49 last semester, but a score of 70 is the minimum for distinction. The friend argued with the teacher, but she refused to increase the grade. In fact, the teacher told Ivy's friend that she deliberately gave him just under the required 70. <laughs> Ivy says she told her friend not to worry, that the score would be raised to 70, and she revised the conversation. 
And every time he brought it up a few more times, she said she revised what she heard, hearing within herself that the score is 70. The issue was brought up before a review committee, and that committee reversed the teacher's score and gave him the 70 points. Ivy refused to allow the old state to remain. She pruned the vine. She revised. Every time her friend brought up the issue, she refused to keep him there. She revised it, hearing that the score was 70. The friend's appeal was heard before the committee, and that committee gave him the 70. I love how Ivy revised on the spot. As she heard her friend complaining about it, she heard differently. She didn't wait to be alone in a formal session. She just refused to accept less than what she wanted for her friend. That's a great story. Thank you, Ivy. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at feelingtwisty at gmail.com or at feelingtwisty on Facebook and Instagram. I love you. I'm feeling twisty. Twisty.